0: Ted, it's that time once again, episode 61, two middle-aged men in Cleveland, the famous and the traveler, Ted Klopp, and I must tell you, Ted, I'm on location today, I thought I'd do the show from Cincinnati, what do you think about that?
1: Well, uh, I guess we're one middle-aged man in Cleveland and one
0: middle-aged man in Cincinnati. And it's blazing hot. Yeah. 90s, my friend. Oh. Not the year. It's brutal. It's hot.
1: It rained here, and so we got a lot of humidity now, so you're missing out on that.
0: Well, I love it, Hamid. That's my favorite.
1: Well, hey, you know, over the weekend, we had uh, the memorial service for our good friend, our mentor, Larry Heiner. Just wanted to take a moment to mention that. I actually had a lot of people ask about the podcast, uh, former uh, classmates of mine, people who know the two of us and uh it was good to see everybody obviously not the reason for getting together that we would have hoped for but a very nice classy good uh celebration of life for our former radio former television director larry heiner who had such a huge impact on so many people over the years we've talked about him several times here on the show but uh it was a, it was a, a, a wonderful event
0: yeah i'm sorry missed it i I had a dad duty of some Taekwondo testing, but you know what? I think Larry would have understood that for sure. Absolutely. uh, Certainly he's missed, and I'm glad they were able to have a celebration of life for him. So well-deserved, such a great man. And uh, the part that was really cool, Ted, obviously through social media, uh, I got a huge kick out of seeing that picture of (laughs) the three of us that was taken by Lee Owens. We've talked about that story before, but that, that's really cool. And that's, that's, that certainly w- w- was, was awesome. And he just he
1: mi- minutes before the kickoff
0: of a division two college football
1: game, Larry Heiner hands, the head coach, the camera and says, Hey, Lee, take our picture. Take and Lee's our response can tell him what can uh, Lee's response was afterwards. This
0: is how this stuff works here in Ashland for a guy yep. like Larry Heiner. And that, I mean, that's, that's right. how well-respected he was. People yep. knew was and from town just not from being the university just a well-respected man and absolutely
1: he's missed well i did not unfortunately jay pappas our other uh mentor our radio mentor was unable to make it because he had a previously scheduled visit with his uh grandchildren which again obviously we understand but uh for those who don't know you hear jay periodically on this show he is uh we, we refer to him as uh, Big Voice Jay.
0: Yes, the voice. The voice. That's right. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland.
1: By the way, uh, Jay said he wants to, uh, uh, he told me the last time we spoke, he wants to uh, have his contract doubled. So we may need to talk to get some lawyers here and uh,
0: draw up a new proposal. I'm telling you, I, gosh, almighty. I mean, how needy. I mean, we're yeah, paying yeah. him big money, man. Yep big money for his well part.
1: if i could offer a quick endorsement uh if you need any legal services please the official attorney service legal service of two middle-aged men in cleveland the law firm do Cheatham and how they are number <laughs> one and we we wholeheartedly support them you know i was really going to try to make it through that without laughing but didn't quite make it
0: i couldn't help it that was really yep. funny
1: uh, Hey, I, I want you to know I've still got it. Why is that? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now. I got hit on last week. Really? Yeah. In the car? Like hit? No, hit no, 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 no. no, no. Uh, a, a woman. Well, I'll tell you the story and you tell me if you think she was oh, hitting boy. on me. So can you I tell this a, story or are you going to get in trouble? No, no, no. I already told okay. my wife cause I pointed okay. out to her that right. I've still got it. Yep. You know you know what her response was? That's it right there. Silence.
0: The yep. sound of silence. Paul said Well, silence. there was
1: there was silence and some laughter. Yes. But you know, neither of which are uh, positive from my perspective. But nonetheless, so I was exiting a brewery, as you know Ken, uh one of the duties that I have for our business is AV equipment set up and strike. So I was removing some AV equipment from a brewery And I was uh, loading the equipment into my car and there was a woman in the smoking area outside the brewery. And she said, Hey, you've got the best spot in the lot there. I said, yeah, I got a nice close spot. Uh, This is working out really well. And she says, Oh yeah, I love this brewery. This is, this is just a great place for a single woman to come. Oh boy. I believe my response was yes, I'm sure it is. (laughs) And I kept on moving, but in my head, I was thinking, I just got hit on. So, Ken, you tell me. My mm-hmm. position is a woman does not say that if she doesn't have a reason.
0: I I you know what I think you're right. Yeah, I think she's looking just to see a reaction to yeah. maybe kind of throw a rope out there. And right. see if, I mean, you're a good strapping young man. Once again, oral Hersheyzer Gag. Sure. I mean, you're a good sure. looking dude.
1: So I've still I think got it, did it baby. I think, yeah.
0: it, I think it did. The more I think about this, yes, I think that yeah. did happen. There you go. Good for you, man. You do yeah. have it. You're wanted I, man. Would, I would
1: snap my fingers in that special pattern, but <laughs> I, I don't know what that pattern is. <clears throat> All right. Well, coming up on this show, what's the connection between Willy Wonka and Cleveland? We're going to tell you in this week in Cleveland history a <clears throat> mature woman battles in the tough mutter competition we will explain how old she is in our Good News segment. Steve Muehlhausen from zone is ready to get in the ring with some pro wrestling news and notes. Dr. Noreen Russell is also here to offer some tips for parents of kids with ADHD, autism, and some other differing abilities. And in Klops Clips, an exorcism at Home Depot. Need I say more? <laughs>
0: Said another edition of Where'd That Come From? Yeah. This week's statement, rub someone the wrong way. Wait a minute. I have an example. This could be
1: if you're uh, outside a brewery and you say, I love this bar. I'm a, uh, uh, this is a great place for a single woman to to, to hang out.
2: Maybe not. I
1: don't know. It is. And the meaning was to bother or annoy someone. Oh, well. that's it. I, but I was neither bothered nor annoyed. I was
0: um, proud. Proud time. Uh, yeah. Talk to me again. Yes. Yes. Well, the right, origin come of from? rub. The origin of rub someone the wrong way. Early Americans during the colonial times would ask their servants to rub their oak floorboards the right way. Mm. The wrong way, not wiping them with dry fabric after wet fabric, would cause streaks to form and ruin it, leaving the homeowner annoyed. No, that's, huh. yeah. Interesting. Another okay. theory is that it could have derived from rubbing a cat's fur the wrong way, which annoys them. Have you rubbed have you, the cat the wrong way? I, I have. I have.
1: We have some cats. I've never known a cat to get annoyed by uh, me petting the cat, no matter which direction I rub the fur.
0: Well, that's where you get rub someone the wrong way, Ted. And that's yeah. where that came from.
1: Time for another This Week in Cleveland History, June 30th, 1971. Ken, we're getting into uh, the time when middle-aged men from Cleveland might have been born, you know.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. You're correct.
1: Yes. Well, the musical Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory premieres on June 30th, 1971 at the Mayland Theater in Mayfield Heights. It's based on a Roald Dahl children's book. The film features... Cleveland Playhouse alum, Peter Ostrom, as the lead character, Charlie Bucket. Now, I did a little research, found that Peter Ostrom is now a veterinarian, so he didn't stick with acting for too long, but let's bring in uh, Case Western Reserve University history professor and Cleveland uh, Encyclopedia, one might say, John Grabowski. John Cleveland Playhouse alumni, are there some others that are maybe a little more notable than uh, Peter Ostrom?
3: Yeah, well, we'll get past Peter Ostrom, Yumpa Lumpa Girls, or whatever it was. <laughs> I mean, you can talk about the you know, the Cleveland Playhouse is is the oldest uh, existing uh, professional theater in the United States, started in 1915. It actually started with a marionette show and a little theater, and then mm. it was a group. But if we're looking at alums, there, there are three I, I can mention. And and one is, it's going to be uh, Margaret Hamilton, the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz. And and she she has a sister who was active with the, in the creation of Planned Parenthood, but she loves theater and she cut her teeth in theater. Somebody saw her on, at, at the Playhouse. Wow. Somebody saw her on a stage elsewhere. They offered her a movie contract. She became pretty much a fixture in movies. And then she was picked up for The Wicked Witch for The Wizard of Oz. And that kind of stereotyped her all the way through. And if you, if you watch Margaret Hamilton, you can see her doing TV commercials later in her career. But she's not alone there. are two people who recently passed, Jack Weston. Wow, <laughs> Jack Weston's a Clevelander. And, and he basically got his career start as, as a player, uh, as an actor at, at the Cleveland Playhouse as, as well. And, and the other one is uh, Thurston Howell, if you want to put it that way. It's Jim, Jim Bacchus, the <laughs> voice of Mr. Magoo, and, and we're thinking, talking about Gilligan's Island. Uh, incredible actor, a character actor, if you will. But he, too, is in the Playhouse. So if you scratch the history of the Playhouse, you're going to find a lot of people, Cleveland-born or not Cleveland-born, who get their beginnings there. And, and the tie to Case Western Reserve right now is the Playhouse has a collaborative program with our theater program, uh, department. Mm-hmm. And the archives of the Playhouse are also part of the Case Western Reserve collection.
4: Uh, sure. So there's
3: a lot of tie. And you know that structure at uh, 85th Street and, and Carnegie uh, that, that huge structure that was built there. It's a uh, Philip Johnson construction. You know, the Playhouse eventually moved out of that down to Playhouse Square because mm-hmm. it was costing about a million dollars a year just wow. to maintain that structure. Ooh. Uh, wow. So, and and that's Jeez. very close to where Francis Drury, one of the backers of the Playhouse lived. He provided a home for them to get started, a small house on his property. It's, mm-hmm. it's an amazing, it's an amazing story. I mean, the Playhouse and caramu are two of the best, theaters you're going to find around and they're right here in Cleveland
0: Mm. for sure and John the the funny part about is we talk about this now very exciting that the playhouse will be having plays once again in musicals starting in the fall like they have in years past but the other thing is you kind of hit on this a little bit what other changes has the playhouse seen in recent years I mean you talked about the amount of money at one point in time that was spent on that but it seems like and I've had the opportunity to go multiple times it's gone through a lot of changes throughout the years.
3: Yeah, well, I think one of the things that happened is after they, they built that uh, magnificent structure, it took, and they also have Playhouse Club at the old Sears, uh, which was on Carnegie Avenue, so that, you know, the buildings were appended to that. If you look at it, it's an incredible brickwork. Uh, but what happened is is that the interest in theater began to wane in, in the city at that point. A lot of action was going down to Playhouse Square at that time. And, and that with, with the shift, I think, uh, in, in finances and, and, and looking at the incredible burden that they had to raise a million dollars just to pay for the expenses every year. It was a smart move. they, they lost a couple of play uh, directors at this time, but they also got rid of their professional repertory uh, company uh, at that time. And, uh, and, and now they're, they're working with students at CWRU. So it's it, it evolves, everything evolves over mm-hmm. time. It's, it's been around for, uh, you know, 106, uh, 106 years right now. Wow. Yeah. That, that's amazing. You know, that's yeah. absolutely amazing. So, continuity, unbelievable.
1: Yeah. And, uh, if they hadn't made that move, I, I don't know that they'd still be here or be preparing for the next 106 years, but, you know, uh,
3: they, you know, they, they would, it would have been a problematic because, you know, it's easy to build infrastructure. It's hard to maintain it.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Well, John, we appreciate the perspective on the uh, playhouse. Thank you so much for the time. My pleasure. All right. That is another
0: This Week in Cleveland History. Ted, we have more good news. Mm -hmm. Mildred Wilson of Skyteston, Missouri, completed her second Tough Mudder race earlier this year. Yeah. You know how old Mildred was? I bet you do. 81. Whoa. Wow.
1: She's okay. Unbelievable. That is she, a, don't just don't don't just
0: run a 5K. Go for no. the tough mutter. I mean, that's a hard race. That is a hard race. She completed her first one in 2019 just after celebrating her 80th birthday. Her son asked her if she wanted to give it a try, and she decided to go for it. She got the okay from her doctor and trained at the local YMCA for the 2019 event with her husband, Farrell, cheering her on. Unfortunately, oh, this is sad. He passed hmm. away in 2020, so she dedicated her 2021 effort to his memory. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's crazy. That, good for her. That's yes. really cool. That is that's, really, really cool.
1: It makes me feel guilty when I go back for a nap. I'll tell you that. She's running tough mutters. She's, I can hardly get she's up. She's running the tough mutters, and I'm thinking about 15 more minutes and hitting the snooze bar. <laughs> well,
0: Ted, that's some great news, and congratulations to Mildred.
4: Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah,
0: blah. Blah, blah, blah.
1: Our guest today is one who helps frustrated students and parents. If that sounds familiar, you probably want to listen up. She works with children whose diagnoses include autism, mood disorders, ADHD, giftedness, and learning differences. So... With that in mind, let's talk with Dr. Noreen Russell. Dr. Russell, we appreciate your time. Tell us, why are these children with what I refer to as differing abilities, why are they so challenging for parents and teachers?
4: Well, for a number of reasons. I think, first of all, our education system is made for a certain type of learner. Even though we give a lot of lip service to differentiation and lots of different learning styles, there still is a box. It might be a bigger box than 20 or 30 years ago, but there's still a box that we expect most students to be able to fit into. I think for parents, it's challenging for a different reason. I think there is despite all of the information out there and all of the social media, there's still a lack of community for most parents who are raising kids who are differently wired. And so that can be lonely and it can be frustrating because you're not having the same experience that your neighbor or your sister or your cousin are having parenting. And when you feel alone like that, and you feel isolated, and you don't know what to do, but you so desperately want to do the right thing, that's tough.
0: I don't think many people really know what it's like to have a kid with ADHD.
4: Can you kind of go into specifics with that and what that's like? I would love to. And I think the most important thing for your listeners is to really understand the difference between behaviors and symptoms, right? So we talk about these things as being behavior disorders. Well, you know what, I kind of look at it differently. A behavior is something we choose to do, right? Like I got up this morning and I chose these clothes to wear, right? I got up this morning and I chose whether I was gonna bring coffee from home or go to Starbucks. Those are behaviors, right? Kids with ADHD are not choosing to be inattentive or impulsive or hyperactive. We think they're behaviors because we see them happening, and we think they're behaviors because sometimes they're happening and sometimes they're not. But they're not behaviors any more than when the kid with allergies sneezes and the kid with asthma wheezes, right? And so I think the most important thing to understand about ADHD is we talk about it being an attention deficit. The deficit isn't in attention. The deficit is in regulation. So a kid with ADHD, and for that matter, an adult with ADHD can pay attention. What doesn't happen is their brain doesn't automatically regulate that attention, right? So the three of us are on here, right? And our attention is getting automatically regulated to your podcast, right? My brain is sending me messages, pay attention, you're super excited to talk to these cool dads in Cleveland today, right? And I'm zoned in on that. Now I will say, outside my window, is there possibly a squirrel? For sure, but my brain isn't tuning into that. So it's really the deficit is in regulation, not in paying attention. The second characteristic of ADHD is impulsivity, which when you think about the very definition of impulsivity, it's doing something without thinking. So therefore, again, It's not a chosen behavior. And then some kids have hyperactivity, whether that's physical movements with their body or people tend to be less familiar with this verbal hyperactivity. So, you know, you'll have that kid who never stops talking. um, And that too is considered hyperactivity. So those three things, the inability to regulate attention, Impulsivity, and then sometimes and very often hyperactivity are what characterize ADHD. That's what clinicians use to diagnose ADHD.
1: I think you've uh, given different characteristics for each of my kids, all three of whom are diagnosed as having ADHD, and everything you mentioned is something that we have dealt with at different times. I'm curious, with regard to getting them to listen, getting them to obey for lack of a better term I know that's a challenge for all parents it seems to be an even greater challenge for parents of kids with ADHD because as you mentioned impulsivity they you know I say sit in the chair they suddenly see a cat in the house they get up and go over to the cat I just told you to stay in the chair well yeah but my brain told me to go over to the cat do you, do you deal with those by different parenting techniques do you deal with those like my kids have medicine that <laughs> allegedly helps them i think it depends on the time of day but so what what do you suggest for parents to help kids deal with this problem that they have and like you said like allergies don't have control
4: over so for sure, um, there are things that are science-based treatments and evidence-based treatment. And that, that's how we operate at Russell Coaching is what does science tell us? What does medicine tell us? And so I think it's really important as parents of kids with ADHD that we educate ourselves because this is an interesting diagnosis. You know, if you have a kid who gets diabetes, you get sent to a diabetes education workshop to learn how to manage their sugars. We don't do the same kind of thing with ADHD. And so many parents are left with this, the kid is choosing to not behave at 4 p.m. or the kid is choosing to get crazy at 7 p.m., right? And so what helps, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, who has a white paper out on this issue, and I'm not gonna get overly scientific or deep about it, is first of all, stimulant medication, second of all, parent education and training, And third of all plans at school, and so what is a little bit difficult for me sometimes is when we see parents who are trying to get the child to really be able to voluntarily willfully control their behavior, what we need is to be working on every level. We need multimodal treatment. We need the medicine for the brain. We need parent training and education, which is just so woefully inadequate in this area. And then we need a school plan so that they can have accommodations when they're needed. I think too many people put all their eggs in one basket with a school plan. I'm just such an advocate advocate for the parent education and training piece of it. And what works for ADHD kids when it comes to parenting is different than what works for a strong-willed kid or, Mm -hmm. you know, other kinds of, you know, kids that we might, you know, make boxes or stereotypes for. It's different. ADHD parenting is different.
0: You talked about a little bit and hinted on this with schools. So what should schools be doing better for some of these atypical learners?
4: You know, what I think is hard for educators is in many ways their hands are tied, right? They are not clinicians who can diagnose what they can do at the beginning stages is tell you what they're seeing. Parents don't always know how to decode that message, right? And sometimes they'll think, oh, the teacher doesn't like my son or the teacher loves my daughter, but thinks she's kind of spacey. Or, you know, we're getting a lot of information that my daughter's talking too much. So there's this gap really between what educators can say and what parents hear. And I think that's a real problem, right? And so one of the things I would say is if you feel like you're getting a message from the teacher, go ahead as a parent and ask, what is it exactly that you're telling me? Really, every child with an ADHD should have the question raised of do they need a 504 plan for accommodations or do they need more and they need an IEP for both accommodations and services? But We all know the reality is that every school district varies in, you know, what resources they have, the personnel they have, and how much they can do. What I think is tough is you can put those plans into place, but if the neurology isn't regulated, then the school is still kind of left to manage the ADHD symptoms, which unfortunately sometimes take over and really mitigate how hard the educators are working on helping the kid to learn. Um, And so schools, I think, is a tough, that's a tough space to be in. Um, And what they should be doing is actively identifying kids who need to be tested or have an evaluation either in the school system or outside the school system. And then they should be creating a 504 or an IEP. And then following the 504 or the IEP, which in my experience tends to get more and more lax as the grade level gets higher. So do
1: parents, do kids with ADHD and some of these other things, I know we've kind of focused on ADHD, but are we coaching parents? Are we coaching kids? Are we coaching everybody? What is the coaching?
4: Right, sure. So at my practice, we actually do both. I think the parent coaching is invaluable. Figure out what works for your kid, right? And so depending on whether you have a kid who just has ADHD, which we would call simple ADHD, or whether you have a complex adhd or that also has something else like anxiety or um, some autism, we need to figure out what works for your child. And most of the time for the ADHD kid, that is going to be simpler, clearer directions, less information to process at one time and more immediate consequences and most of the time a higher valence of consequence right those kids are going to need more motivation um so we do a lot of parent coaching we do a lot of parent education but then where our practice really focuses is coaching students from middle school through college on what we call and what many educators would refer to as executive functioning skills, which is just a fancy word for life skills that we all need, like planning, prioritizing, time management, organization, and that we know that kids with ADHD tend to be delayed in being able to master. So our ADHD kids tend to be about 30 percent. This is not to be applied to every ADHD kid, but a general rule of thumb about 30% delayed when it comes to these executive functioning skills. So for example, I have a 13 year old at home who has ADHD. What that research would tell us about the developmental delay is his brain might work a little bit more like a 10 year olds, right? And so that's kind of tough. So we have to adjust our parenting. Your 18 year old might be working a little bit more like a 13 or 14 year old. So again, What expectations do we have there? But in coaching directly with the student, what we can do is use our expertise to build those executive functioning skills to help compensate for some of the developmental delay.
0: Now, if I'm a parent and I'm interested in finding a good coach for my student, how do I go about that?
4: Sure. So I have nothing but cautious statements to issue there, because I think it's important for parents to know that coaching is not something you need to be licensed to do. So you're going to really want to, as a parent, be very, very clear on investigating who you might be hiring, what their background and expertise is, and how they work, because there's nothing worse For parents who are desperate than being taken advantage of. So, I hate to be sort of a Debbie Downer in that way, but I just want to say that because I think it's so important. It's not like psychology or medicine where it's licensed. At our practice, we employ people who are at least mid level career in education or some kind of human service psychology. um, And then we go through a very intense process of training people on some of these neurological, atypical brains, how they work and how to teach and coach these skills in a very practical, hands-on way with enthusiasm and compassion and a really incredibly positive perspective so that the student, whether they're in middle school or college, can build on that energy, but they also have enough expertise from the person who's coaching them which is sometimes different from the parent who might know that the child needs to learn the skill of time management, but isn't necessarily skilled at teaching neurologically atypical kids how to manage time.
1: Fair enough. Well, Dr. Russell, if folks want to get more information about you, your practice, things like that, where can they find you?
4: Come um, take a look at our website. We are at www russell coaching russell is spelled with two s's and two l's Russellcoaching.com. you're welcome to just google me noreen russell and you'll probably get to our page we've also got a facebook page that we try to post information on and so you're welcome to look on facebook and other social media for us and we do at our practice work with students in the united states canada and the uk so If you have some non Cleveland listeners, which I'm sure you must have, um, they are welcome to get in touch with us. Um, And we have been, I've been in practice for 12 years and have a PhD in psychology and have two neurologically atypical kids who I love with all my heart and soul. And we are passionate about what we do. Russellcoaching.com.
1: Awesome. Well, best of luck. And, uh, as a parent, uh, I think I speak for Ken as well, as parents of kids with ADHD, it's always fascinating when we talk to people who are involved. You can tell who has the passion. I appreciate your passion, and we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Can't thank you
4: enough for having me on. I appreciate it.
5: Hear ye, hear ye.
0: In Missouri, bear wrestling is banned. <laughs> All right. We all love a good bear hug now and then, but the real deal is outlawed in Missouri. This law was initiated due to animal cruelty violations and is still in effect today. Hmm. I am not interested in wrestling a bear at any point in time. How about yourself? No, No, I... I, uh i've seen it not in person but i've seen Same. video of it but yeah i've seen That's it about as, as well. close
1: as i think i want to get to
0: yeah i'm not i'm not into that myself
1: no no, well, no if you're in wrestling. missouri
0: leave the bears alone don't wrestle them i wouldn't touch them to be honest with you just let them be let them wander around let them do their thing well i think it's fair to say that that's barely worth the effort
1: All right, Steve Muehlhausen from DAZN, D-A-Z-N.com, is back with us to get in the ring and tell us what's going on in pro wrestling. It's been a couple of weeks since we last spoke, Steve, so keeping with that trend, we have about uh, 12 more WWE talent releases. What is going on?
2: They are just, are they going to have anybody left to wrestle? What's the deal here? From what I'm told, Bunch of Cuts was the thing that they're preaching again, which is not the case. But yeah. just more or less, they were no longer needed. And it's quite unfortunate because there were some talented people that got that no longer have a job. The mo-
1: the majority of these talents were on the NXT brand, am I correct?
2: Correct, correct. There okay. were some that still had main roster contracts but we're in nxt like fandango and tyler breeze they had main roster contracts they just they got put in nxt and so they'll have to be you know they'll have to wait out the 90 days but the other ones 30-day releases and they'll be available to wrestle near the end of july so they'll be out free and free and clear so they'll get paid for another month Breeze and fandango for another three months
1: now over in uh, Turnerland, let's talk about a little bit about what's happening <laughs> in uh, AEW. What's going on there? Don't seem to have as many. They're not releasing people. There's not a whole lot uh, going on outside of the ring. Is
2: that correct? I love when you see Turnerland. I feel like we're in the old Monday Night Wars <laughs> when we're from. What's going on in the land of Turner, Steve? In yeah. Turnerland. Really Not that I thought a really good Dynamite. I thought the Kenny Omega-Jungle Boy match on Saturday's edition of Dynamite was fantastic. One of the best matches, TV matches I've seen this year. They told a really good story in the ring, and they really – they Jungle Boy still has that momentum. It depends on how they follow up, but they made, they made Jungle Boy look really good. He got in plenty of offense, had a lot of near falls on Kenny Omega. It's the right finish. Now they're back live. Back on Wednesdays, the remainder of the year. No one has to get lost, no one has to get confused. And what a way they're doing it. MJF, Sammy Guevara, first time ever. I think that's just what they've built up with the inner circle and the pinnacle. I think this is going to be a very big dynamite. Will it be the greatest match in the world? I don't know. It'll be good. I don't know how good it'll be, but just the rivalry with them because those are two of the to me, two of the four pillars of the future of that company. So we're gonna get a little bit of a glimpse here. I think this could be an Austin rock type of rivalry if they do it right and they build it correctly. So far they have, this is just the first seed in what should be a fantastic rivalry. And I'm looking forward to it on Wednesday night. When it
1: comes to AEW and WWE, nobody who got released by WWE has hit their 90 days yet there's we we aren't at the point where we would see if AEW wanted to no. see any of these guys that can't happen yet am I correct
2: yes the first okay. set of guys that were I think it's right around like that were released in April it's around like that week of July 12th okay that week so there some are that week, including like the Iconics and Mickey James and you know people there and then the next Wave after that is August 31st. It's when we'll likely see it from what I, when it seems like from what's been reported by Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer and a couple other people is Tommy N, former Aleister Black, will be going to AEW, got him, Braun Strowman. They're, they'll be able to sign somewhere starting in August.
1: What's the relationship between AEW and Impact these days? I know we see some crossovers there. Are they, do they just have a, a working agreement or what's the deal?
2: They have a working agreement with them. The word with the Omega, some of the, you know, Gallows and Anderson have been on, you know, dynamite. They're going to be on AEW dark here coming up. And, you know, so they got, there is a working relationship with the company. I think we're going to see, you know, we've seen Sammy Callahan a couple of weeks ago on dynamite as well. So I think we're going to see more of that, interaction back and forth and everything you know, the young bucks have been on impact they've been on the, they were on the last pay-per-view or special that impact had so you're seeing more of that interaction which i think is it only helps wrestling you know it's good to see yeah the talent may not be the same but at the end of the day from peers of the wrestling fan fans want to see guys in different promotions because that's how we used to be in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and even a little bit of the 80s. So it's good to see. It really is. And hopefully that goes continue. All right. Now, this is
1: an interesting news item that I'm hoping you saw that I wanted to get your thoughts on. The million dollar man's sure. servant, whatever he was, I know where you're going. Virgil posts on Twitter a picture with Hulk Hogan's daughter, Brooke. And accompanying this photo is information from Virgil, real name Mike Jones, I believe, where he says, doesn't matter who your dad is, it's still 20 bucks for a picture. (laughs) So he apparently charged Brooke Hogan $20 for a picture with Virgil.
2: (laughs) And you're just shaking your head. This guy is like... I don't know if he was shooting. I don't know if he's be I, I don't know if he was just joking around. I don't know if he was serious. This kid's weird. Yeah. I this remember is... God oh, this had to be 2011, 2012. He was at a Comic Con, yeah. one of those Comic-Con type of conventions here in Chicago. With all his friends. There was no one at his line. <laughs> Nobody yeah he was a man <laughs> he was a man on an island yeah i remember the picture they had the big my camera.
1: camera they had the big science wrestling I, superstar virgil and
2: he's sitting there by a himself the i camera guy at the time was like do you want to go over there and i'm like no what am i going to see to this guy <laughs> yeah. and uh, i regret as i thought about it as years gone on and i've seen and i Looking at the picture with him and Brooke Hogan, I was kind of like, "Man, I should have maybe done that interview just to kind of get a yeah, it. yeah. just to kind of so I can laugh a little bit." But well, I mean, Ted, it, I don't know what's if you take Virgil I don't know what's up with
1: him. and Brooke Hogan. Now I know Brooke Hogan is, I think, kind of given up on her her music career, but even still, oh, yeah. I would think she is a bigger celebrity than Virgil, wouldn't you? Oh, she
2: is, yeah. <laughs> She, oh my God. Uh, You could just say, I'm the daughter of Hulk Hogan. You still would be a bigger, a bigger known entity than the man known as Virgil. Well, let's move on to a wrestling
1: rewind. I know you like this stuff. We're going to go to June 27th, 2011. This is the, now there's a lot of interesting anniversaries uh, in the last couple of weeks. We had the, the King of the Ring match with uh, Undertaker and Mankind and Austin 316, I think was just a few days ago. This June 27th, 2011 is the CM Punk pipe bomb promo that ends raw. Do you remember this where he's given a live mic and no
2: script? What are your, what, what do you remember about this? Felt like we were getting a little bit of a new era. And this is something I one talks want to talk about. This has is, this is kind of started this wave of, like, guys that weren't the size of when we were talking about Hulk Hogan, guys of, that looked like Hulk Hogan. This kind of, to me, really started a new revolution of talent that Vince McMahon never would have even given an eye back to, or a lot of other people would have given an eye back to. This really put a shine on it. It showed they, these guys can cut promos. They can get you into the building, and that's what I felt. This promo, this has really started a revolution. They were these guys were seen in a different light, and he was going to go. Me and him yeah. have had this. Me and him have had this conversation more than once. That he's like, I had every intention of leaving. Yeah, I didn't want to be around there anymore. It wasn't fun. I did what I felt like I could do, and then Vince gave him a mic, and he said, "If you got grievances, go air them." Are you surprised that Vince did that on, on uh, a live mic? In a way, yeah, because we see how things are now, and he doesn't have faith in a lot of talent to be able to cut a good promo. And But he he gave him a shot, and like, it's one of those, hey, let's see what you got, kid, type of situations, sure. and look at what we saw. And that, yeah. to me, changed the landscape in a different way.
1: All right, Steve. Well, uh, thanks for getting in the ring. If folks want to follow you on Twitter and uh, see some of your articles, uh, what are the best places to do that?
2: I've been off the last two days, but I put up – I was on Sunday and I put up an interview, and it's been posted everywhere, an interview with John Morrison, who qualified last week for the Money in the Bank. ladder match, a big win over Randy Orton. We talk about the win over Orton. Whether him and his wife, Frankie Monet, and NXT, whether Johnny Drip Drip or the Shaman of Sexy. I thought that was a very – the answer he came out, it was quite comical. So make sure you guys check that out. Go to zone.com forward slash news. Got a ton of stuff coming up. This week's kind of slow just with the holiday and everything, but next week things ramp back up. Conor McGregor week, UFC 264. So a lot of cool stuff coming up with that, including an interview with Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. And also you can find me on Twitter at s jr. That's S-M-U-E-H-L-H-A-U-S-E-N-J-R. Sounds good. Thank you, Steve.
1: now, A Woman's Perspective.
4: Men are like fine wine. They all start out like grapes, and it's our job to stomp them and keep them in the dark until they mature into something you'd like to have dinner with.
1: This has been A Woman's
0: Perspective. Cleveland! This is for you! This week in Cleveland sports, July 5th, 1947, Cleveland Indians rookie Larry Doby becomes the first black player in the American League when he strikes out in a 6-5 to five loss versus the Chicago White Sox. We are joined by our Cleveland sports historian, Dusty Sloan. And Dusty, certainly a very, very important time, not only just in sports, but in the nation and everything that's going on to have an African-American player play an American League game
5: without question. I mean, when you think about Larry Doby and it it isn't simply that he was the first African-American player in the American league, he's a hall of famer. He was a big time player. He was the type of player that a team could build around. And you think about the Indians teams back then in the late forties and early fifties, they had guys like Larry Doby and Lou and Ken Keltner and Mel Harder, and Bob Lemmon, guys like that. And Larry Doby, being a pioneer, fit into that team extremely well and added to a very talented Cleveland Indians team. And you look at Cleveland as a whole and you think about Larry Doby, the Cleveland Browns and the old AFC were the first ones to have African-American players when you talk about Marion Motley and some of the other players that they had. So the entire city of Cleveland really was at the forefront of integrating professional sports and Larry Doby and the Indians were a big part of that.
0: Yeah, that's, it's just unbelievable. And obviously Doby, as you mentioned, was a hall of famer that next season, the Indians won the world series. So this this yes, guy comes did. on and gets in the mix. And then obviously you have guys like Satchel page and things like that. They were the part of the team, but yeah, the next year they win a world series, which is, I mean, the last world series, unfortunately, the Cleveland Indians won.
5: Yeah. And, and those were, the glory days of the Cleveland Indians. When you go down to the the stadium and you want to know the history of the Cleveland Indians and Larry Doby's right there at the forefront. And again, it's not just the integration piece, which is obviously a very significant part of his history and the American League's history and Major League Baseball's history and the team's history. But the fact that he was a winning ball player and he was a winning ball player on a winning baseball team and it's and it's just an amazing thing to think that Cleveland would be right there in the forefront. And it was the Indians and it was the Browns. And it's it's one of those things that you can really be proud of as a Cleveland sports fan. No oh, no. Dusty,
1: one of the things that uh, maybe speaks to how the legacy of Larry Doby is that a lot of people have suggested a new name for the new team or the, the new name for the Indians to be the Cleveland Dobies
5: you know that's not a bad idea at all i mean it there's a lot of good names that could be done for the team and obviously that would be a very fitting tribute and think about it people will go what sense does that make well the cleveland football team's named after a, a person so it's not a realm of possibility that your baseball team could do that too
0: no no doubt about it well dusty once again a very historic day July 5th, 1947. First game that Larry Doe becomes the first black player in the American League when he played in one of the first professional games. Unbelievable. Thanks for your time, Dusty. You got it.
2: Cleveland! This is for you!
0: And now, great
2: moments in a parenting. <laughs>
1: Ken? I know you love this segment. We haven't had it in a while. Another great moment in parenting occurred for oh, yes. me over the weekend. Okay. So we celebrated my wife's birthday at my brother-in-law's house over the weekend. My nephew loves to do family feud questions with us. Okay. Fun. My wife, my sister-in-law, father-in-law and mother-in-law were all playing with my nephew. I Googled a feud question. The survey was name something that is cold. Okay. My nephew thought for a moment and his mom waited. It was his turn. I repeated the survey, named something that is cold. And then my mother my nephew said, a mother's heart. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm not sure what else you say after that. Nothing. I don't know if that was on the board or not, but it should have been.
2: This has been great moments in parenting (laughs) the most trusted name in journalism Klops Clips
1: Ken here we go with more news you need to know and possibly don't we begin in a place Ken and I know very well Mansfield, Ohio, Okay. Oh, my.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Crawls across your face when I say Mansfield. Oh, well, the Richland County Fairgrounds is the location. 22-year-old William Beeson and 29-year-old Justin Crowell apparently snuck into a wedding reception at the fairgrounds, tried to steal a case of beer. Oh, boy. The groom tried to stop them. Beeson apparently punched him, and a big fight started. Oh, Beason man. and Crowell look to have gotten the worst of this. In addition to being arrested, Beeson sporting a big black eye in his mugshot. Crowell apparently had several
0: cuts from broken beer bottles. Oh, my gosh. Come on, Yeah. Man. Come on, our folks in Mansfield. Settle it down. Here's Go buy the, the beer. In room. All right. <clears throat> Police in Dixon City, Pennsylvania.
1: They were called to a Home Depot for, quote, Disorderly people having an exorcism in the lumber aisle for dead trees. I don't know that I've ever heard those words in that order. Disorderly people having an exorcism in the lumber aisle for the dead trees. Oh, my. They were escorted out of the building. Cops have not released any more details. No charges were filed. So these people were hammered. (laughs) I hope so. I either either high on booze or high on some some foreign substance, apparently. I mean, I
0: know. Maybe it's because the price of lumber is so high right now just because well, of all the lack of supplies. Could be.
1: Oh, wow. Maybe they need some, some exercised uh, lumber. I don't know.
0: They wanted to free the wood.
1: Yeah. There's a joke in there somewhere. I think so. A California man has been arrested and accused of stealing 21 tons of pistachios. <laughs> The missing nuts were discovered during an audit, which led to an investigation. The investigation led to the arrest of 34-year-old Alberto Montemayor of Montemayor Trucking. The pistachios were in a tractor trailer being put into smaller bags for
0: resale. Is that the theme this week, a lot of stealing? What's going on? People well, got to settle it down, man. Uh, your stuff. Why do you need, do you really need 21 tons?
1: Maybe start with, I don't know. A half ton? One yeah. ton? 21
0: tons of pistachio. 21 I mean, what do you tons to do of with pistachios. You the must be selling them. That's what you're doing.
1: I guess. Wow. I don't know. An emergency rescue team is was called to the scene of a nude drowning woman off Japan's northeast coast. It turned out that in the water was not a nude drowning woman, but a life-size adult toy blow-up doll. Oh, jeez. Come on. Reports say the doll was successfully rescued. No no word on what led to the doll winding up in the
0: water. Haven't we had other stories from Japan with the doll toys? Or was that in South Korea? I can't remember. Uh, You know, it
1: it all runs together. It is running together. I don't know. But uh, thankfully, that particular toy was rescued. Who called that in? Yeah. Who called that in? I don't know. Oh. A Washington, D.C. woman decided it would be fun to prank her co-workers by wearing the same Hawaiian shirt to Zoom meetings. She says she wore that same shirt to 264 remote meetings between April 2nd of 2020 and June 16th of 2021. Unfortunately for her, nobody noticed. On the last day of her work, she told her team to an underwhelming response. In fact, she quoted an intern as asking her if she did that, quote, on purpose.
0: is <laughs> sixty-four
1: remote meetings in the same shirt. Nobody noticed. Nobody, nobody saw. <laughs> she tried. Nobody noticed her. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Well, uh, Ken, did you wear that shirt last week when we recorded the Every episode now Ted. Yes. I, I have a uniform for okay. our
0: podcast and
1: i'm wearing yes. it each time. and uh I, I i'm hoping you're wearing pants
0: <laughs> it's only for you to think about putting a bow on episode
1: number 61 ken thank you for dialing in all the way from scenic cincinnati did you go to skyline chile while you were there you know what? I went to one of your favorite places. Oh yeah. What's steakhouse?
0: For father's day? Yeah. Buffalo oh, BW three. Yeah. Oh yeah. Your, your place, man. You love oh it all yeah. Day. All right. I had myself a fine meal with some, some folks here in Cincinnati it was great. Okay. But I'm still sweating. I haven't all stopped. Right. I've been sweating <laughs> all the way from Cleveland and I'm sweating even more because I'm closer to the equator here in Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. Well, let's thank uh, a few
1: people who joined us this week. Dr. Noreen Russell, some great insight on ADHD, autism, and other differing abilities. That was a very helpful perspective for parents who might not, maybe might not understand exactly what's going on with their child if they, if that child has ADHD or autism or something like that.
0: Yeah, that was, that was very well done. I liked how Dr. Russell kind of put things in a very, easy layman's terms for per, people like yourself and I that sometimes people talk a little bit higher level. She was great. That's right. That was really well, good. I appreciate that. If there's
1: one thing we've come to agree upon, it's that we need everything in layman's terms.
0: Oh my God, please. We have to.
1: We also want to thank John Grabowski for our, this week in Cleveland history, our Willy Wonka and the Cleveland playhouse talk and dusty Sloan for his insight on uh, Larry Doby, and uh it's not another week of wrestling conversation with Steve Mulehausen. If we're not talking about WWE releasing more talents, so we'll sure to man. put that Crazy. in there. Crazy. By the way, if you see Virgil, have a 20 with you. <laughs> that's that's what we learned this week. Unbelievable. All, All right, much. now next week on the show, David Lee Morgan is gonna join us. Ken, who is
0: David Lee Morgan? David Lee Morgan is the former sports journalist for the Akron Beacon Journal. He covered the Cavs, University of Akron, uh, covered a lot of other sports. He is now a teacher, but most recently he's written a couple books, one about Jim Trestle. Um, He also came out with a a book, one of the first books about LeBron James. And Mm. recently he is a producer of a documentary about Marion Motley. So we'll have the opportunity opportunity to talk to the very talented David Lee Morgan, He's a very super nice man, and that should be a great conversation. Awesome. Look forward to
1: that. Look forward
0: to whatever else we have in store. Hopefully
1: no more uh, uh, adult toys uh, <laughs> drowning. Uh, that'd be nice. We can make it a week without that. My and I will, I will report back and let everybody know if you have the same shirt on next week.
0: Please, please. This is, I want to be the Lou Gehrig of shirts. Just keep Thank wearing you. the same thing. Well, But you won't notice. So what's the difference?
1: That's right. Uh, in keeping with one thing, we do the same every week. Could you
0: uh, close us out, please? Oh, absolutely. Ted, we're just two middle-aged
2: men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by
3: Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.